Guardian Unlimited. You're listening to Oliver King, the politics editor of Guardian Unlimited. My colleague Tanya Brannigan and I are talking to the International Development Secretary, Hilary Benn. Hilary Benn, uh, you've launched the uh, government's new white paper. Um, what's, what's new in it? Well, uh, the central argument in the white paper we published today is that if we're going to beat poverty, you need to have good governance, both in developing countries and internationally. Uh, everybody knows that aid and debt relief make a real difference and we've seen big progress in the last year since Glen Eagles with 21 of the world's poorest countries having all of the debts they owe to the World Bank, the IMF and the African Development Bank written off. AIDS rising, it's enabling a country like Zambia to provide free health care for people in rural areas. Nigeria's got the biggest single debt cancellation agreement in African history that will put three and a half million more children in school. But when you look around the world you find that 300 million poor people live in countries that are fragile or failing states. So good governance is about tackling conflict and war, because if you've got a war going on, no one's going to invest in your country. It's going to be very hard to get your children in school and improve health care, fighting corruption, building the capacity of the state to deliver, but particularly building the demand for good governance. And that's why one of the things I've announced today is that we will set up a governance and transparency fund, put £100 million into it over the next five years, to support people on the ground in developing countries in getting more good governance because it's going to make such a difference and when you when you talk about governance um you you say you've set up um this this new fund but also does it involve um some element of stick too well the the fund in this case will be about supporting parliamentarians a free media civil society trade unions and others those who work as watchdogs uh, asking questions arguing for transparency, calling people to account, because we know that that's an essential part of politics. That's how politics works. And countries where governments have the capacity to deliver and people demand good governance are in a much, much better position to deal with their problems. The second thing I've said that is in future we will make a regular assessment of the governance in countries where we work, because when I take decisions about how and where we're going to give our aid, for me the three questions are, are you committed to reducing poverty? Do you uphold human rights and international obligations? Are you reforming public financial management, increasing transparency, promoting good governance and making sure the money goes where it's intended? Because people in Britain expect us to be able to get answers to those questions because in the end they want their aid money to make a difference, but also because we know it's fundamental to developing countries in the end changing their own circumstances for the better. Um, you've obviously contributed to the uh, Fabian Society's recent pamphlet where they were talking about the way forward on aid and development. And one of the issues that raised very much was a, a sense that it was perhaps now or never and we could possibly be at a turning point. We had the high of the high last year with Make Poverty History that people may be in danger of losing interest in this cause. Well, I, I hope very much that that won't be the case and, and I don't think it will because I think there's a growing number of people who are both morally outraged that... 5,000 children will die today because they don't have any clean water to drink, that a, a woman in the developing world dies every minute in pregnancy and childbirth, uh, that uh, AIDS kills 3 million people a year, but also because I think people understand that doing something about this is essential for the future safety and security of our planet. And it's a, in the end it's about politics making a difference. The fact that I've been able to announce increased commitments in education spending uh, will get up to a billion pounds a year. The fact that having doubled our investment in water and sanitation in, in Africa by 2007, we're going to double it again <coughs> Excuse me, by 2010 is because we've got a rising aid budget. 
This is politics making a difference. This is Labour politics making a difference. Can you imagine Mrs Thatcher having put Africa and climate change at the centre of a G8 presidency? I don't think so. And you couldn't have done that when you had a Tory government because they halved our aid budget as a proportion of our national wealth. So, you know, politics matters. Politics does actually change things. And I think it's, it's politics in its broadest sense which will enable us to make progress, both here in the rest of the world where we can help by doing things, but above all in developing countries themselves. Andrew Mitchell obviously suggested that there was now a new consensus around aid and development and that it was no longer party political. Um, do you sort of believe the, the Tories when they say that or are you fundamentally still a little bit sceptical? Well, I, I, I welcome uh, what he says. I welcome the, the commitment that they make to the 0.7% to keeping DFID as a separate government department because... Um, because I think that shows that we've won the political argument. Labour has won the political argument. But the big problem the Tories have got is that people will remember that's not what they did when they were in government. And I think that's the real problem that they've got to overcome. Why take a gamble on someone who says the right things now when you know that's what they didn't do in the past, when you've got a government that said we'd do it and we're doing it? You mentioned the G8 earlier. Um, you, you've had quite a struggle, haven't you, to um, get Africa back onto the agenda for uh, the G8 in St. Petersburg at the weekend. I mean, the, the Russians don't seem to, to share uh, the British government's uh, uh, views on this and then want to talk about energy instead. Uh, that is the case. Uh, Africa is not the same priority for the Russian G8 presidency. Energy security is. Although, interestingly... Uh, energy security is a growing issue for developing countries, increasingly figures in the conversations that I have. And one of the other things that we're saying in the White Paper is that in this great task of fighting poverty, certain things that are coming at us are going to make it even more difficult. Uh, one is growing population in the world. The second is the urbanisation of the developing world. Within the next 50 years, first in Asia and then in Africa, a majority of people will actually be living in towns and cities depletion of natural resources and above all climate change which will impact most on the poorest countries of the world who least caused the problem and therefore providing more support to them to help them adapt to climate change to invest in energy generation that doesn't add to co2 emissions in the end getting international agreement on a stabilization goal and supporting developing countries in participating in these negotiations is going to be vital because if i mean if sea levels rise you take a country like bangladesh um, some of it will flood. People are not going to stay to drown. They're going to have to live somewhere else. So that's another example of how all of these things, in the end, are going to affect the rest of us, wherever it is we live, and that's why it's in all of our interests to do something about it. Um, just briefly on trade, you've obviously... Obviously one of the things that came up quite strongly in your statement this morning, but that it seems as if people have almost sort of conceded defeat now, pretty much, on the WTO talks. Do you see any sort of future there, any hope of moving forward on that? Well, we're at a very difficult stage because we're, we're stuck. We're in a logjam. You have the three big negotiating groups, the European Union, the United States of America, and the bigger developing countries, China, India, Brazil, whose interests are very different from the, the poorest developing countries. All of them are saying to each other, we think we've made a reasonable offer. We won't move unless you move first. Now, the Prime Minister's been working extremely hard since uh, the failure of Hong Kong to try and break that logjam. We have the G8... Um, meeting coming up. Some of those other countries will be represented there. We've just got to find a way of turning the, the words that, that everybody speaks about the importance of a trade deal for fighting poverty into 
agreements between trade negotiators that makes this happen because time is running out. And if we miss this opportunity, we will give up for the moment probably the single most important step that we can take to give developing countries what they want, which is the chance to earn and trade their way out of poverty because economic development is in the end where developing countries are going to get the money from to employ and train the teachers, the nurses, the doctors, buy the drugs, build the clinics, construct the classrooms, put the books in there. That's how we did it as a country, and developing countries want the same chance for themselves. And for that you need economic development, and for economic development you need good governance. And finally, just briefly, you obviously talk about um, putting uh, money into education here, in fact. Why is that so important? Because the generation that's growing up in school today are going to be taking the decisions about the future of our planet long after all of us have gone. And we have to make sure that they understand better the world in which they're growing up. And just before making my statement today, I had a group of uh, students from a school in Tower Hamlets who came in and we had a debate. They were arguing for the importance of education, healthcare, integrity and good governance and clean water in, uh, in fighting poverty and then we had a vote and interestingly education won. They were articulate, they had done their research, they put the case really powerfully and that you know, encourages me about the future because the future of the planet is in the hands of the next generation and it's right that as part of the efforts we're making to fight poverty we enable that next generation here in the UK to play their part because on the quality of the decisions that they take in the future will depend the future of all of this. Hilary Benn, thanks very much. Guardian Unlimited.